Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. Today, I am excited to chat with Taylor, um, who, as we were discussing on the pre-call, we got to hang out for a little while in Tahoe, but never really got to know each other in Tahoe. So now, we're going to force that uh, force that on the podcast, get to know each other a little bit more. And of course, I've got Rourke here joining me um, on the call today as well. But uh, Taylor, do me a favor, introduce yourself, your family, tell us a little bit about who you guys are, and uh, and then talk about your business a little bit as well. Sweet. Well, I am Taylor Doolittle, originally from North Carolina, but for the past 12 years have made uh, the Twin Cities of Minnesota my home, uh, as this is where my wife is from. And uh, a common known thing is Minnesotans will go out, grab a spouse, and bring them back to Minnesota. It's called the Minnesota Boomerang. That's how (laughs) they convince people to come to the cold weather. Uh, I've been married for 10 years to my beautiful wife, Sarah. I met down in uh, North Carolina at college, uh, and we have two beautiful little da- daughters. I am a girl dad, and I'm absolutely loving it. <laughs> I have three-year-old, almost three-year-old Aurora, Rory, uh, Grace, and, uh, and then four-month-old Olive, a.k.a. Liv, a.k.a. Livy. So Rory and Liv, uh, and we're just awesome. absolutely having a blast. Um... What else? We love to be outside. We love to adventure. We love to get our girls outside um, and just try to spend as much time uh, together as we can, mm-hmm. all together as a family. Uh, I run a residential real estate team um, out of a, Remax, a local Remax franchise here in the Twin Cities. I started in 2017 with my brother-in-law and scored six years. Now I have 15 people on the team and uh, people buy and sell and invest in residential real estate as well as some commercial stuff as well um also have a small investment portfolio as uh, is pretty common for those that are in fortunate enough to be in go abundance mm-hmm. uh, that's how i met adam um what else what am i missing um, uh well we got your wife we got your kids their age uh, your, um, and your business i think you've, you've covered all the all the steps on that one so i'm sure we'll go into a little bit more depth on on some of that stuff but um before before we go into too much depth there let me uh rewind your your track a little bit um i've got here that you're 34 years old tell me what it was like growing up when you were four years old tell me about your dad tell me about your mom your family um what kind of upbringing you had coming up uh, coming around sure uh, something that I think is so cool about becoming a parent is it just gives you so much perspective on your own childhood. And in my case, just mm-hmm. have nothing but just absolute gratitude and thankfulness. Just had such a blessing of a family growing up. Not to say that we were perfect, but I'm one of three kids. Um, we're each two years apart. Great planning by my parents. Uh, I'm 34. My brother's 36. And my uh, sister's um, 32. 
Uh, and uh, my dad's from Texas. My mom's from uh, Pennsylvania originally. They both their families, um, or my mom's family, made it to North Carolina. My dad got transferred there for work, uh, and they dated for eight months, and then they got married, and then had my brother. Um, so my dad was a business guy. Uh, he was one of four, and these. This is an example of one of the things that, like me becoming an adult and becoming an, a a parent, just understanding my dad and hearing his story uh, mm-hmm. has just made me so thankful. In that, one of four boys growing up in rural Texas, his mom and dad split at a really young age. My dad, I think, went to like seven or eight high schools because his dad was always traveling around going to city to city for that next job and my dad was just finally like i can't do this anymore so moved out on his own when he was like 15 into his older brother's house but he had just gotten married and his wife was having none of that so he was basically living in like a rented a room from a grandma when he was like 15 and just kind of made his way from there um and so my mom is one of seven and when my dad met my mom's family and saw how her dad parented supportive kids in such a cool way, that's how my dad learned how to be a great dad. Nice. So I just have a lot of respect for people who come from a past not seeing something modeled really well in really any, any realm, um, but then turns around and as an adult learns how to become really good at that thing and kind of defies the odds and becomes a great dad. Uh, So it's just super fortunate for that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's it's got some parallels there to my, my, uh, my story, especially with my dad growing up in a very rough manner, (laughs) abusive stepfather, um, lots of issues going on where, you know, I, I was like, the more I learned about him, especially as I became a, a father myself, like you were saying, like the more I learned about him, the more respect I had for, how he was able to, you know, even get out of that house and never go to jail, let alone become a father that, uh, you know, now is enjoying retired life on a golf course, you know? Um, so, um, it's, uh, it is crazy. The perspective that we get when we kind of sit back and me too, also one of three kids, all two years apart, great planning on my parents' part. Um, I'm the youngest though. You're the middle one, but, uh, um, me, I don't know why we chose to do every four years, which was a horrible idea. Um, it's like, you know, you get nice and comfortable and no longer in diapers and then, Hey, let's have another one. Um, so that sounds, yeah, like a not so great plan, but I'm very thrilled about it nonetheless. Um, but, uh, but all right. So what kind of business was your dad in and did you have any involvement in the the business he did? What was kind of your perspective watching him do what he was doing? So, well, when you're growing up, you just think like, oh, all parents do this, right? So I, I didn't have really great insight when I was in it. But my dad was in sales. So uh, I feel like he was of one of the last generations that could really, in my mind, live the American dream. And what I mean by that is he didn't graduate from college. I think went to technical college for like a year, uh, but left and started stocking vending machines and then was the route manager and then was the sales manager and then was the region manager. And Mm. so he started off kind of stocking Dr. Pepper machines and then years later worked himself up to be um, a local vice president of uh, Coca-Cola in just the area that we were in. So so just an awesome sales guy uh, where 
it was normal for me growing up for, oh, my dad needs to go entertain customers. So we get to go to the Charlotte Hornets game uh, <laughs> or we get to go to the Panthers game, which uh-huh. was just so cool for me to bring in friends who didn't come from families where like, hey, that was the norm to go to an NBA game. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we were able to invite a friend sometimes and things like that. So uh, my dad is just very charming. He's not charismatic in the way that I'd like. He, he doesn't need to be uh, front and center, center of attention, but he can mm-hmm. talk to anybody, makes everyone feel welcome, and is always just quick to joke, like quick to make people laugh, very witty, so many puns, just, uh, yeah, just really good with people. My mom is as well. So them together, we were kind of the house that was the host house. So all the mm-hmm. friends go over to, to the Doolittles and my dad his passion was cooking. So chef, right? So chef Don, I'm going to say Don. So my dad would, uh, you know, cook a big meal, everyone come over and hang out. So, uh, again, and when you're in it, it just feels normal, mm-hmm. but kind of getting further down the road and stepping into parenthood, you just realize how much effort that was, how much hustle that yeah. was. And, you know, my dad was, uh, what I hear is a common story of like, Hey, didn't have, the most favorable upbringing. So worked mm-hmm. his tail off to bro- provide for his family, all of the things that he didn't have, have growing yeah. up. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's, uh, um, yeah, I, I'm wondering, you know, did he talk to you at all? Like when you, when you learned about his upbringing, was that more at an older age or did you know about that? Um, when you were still going through, you know, elementary, junior high, anything like that? It, it's still tough. My dad's a hard shell to crack. Um, okay. It, it's he doesn't open up a ton about it and and, mm-hmm. uh, and i can respect that because i think a lot of it comes from him uh, this is something that i've learned in the last year or two is like he wanted to protect our image of our grandparents he wanted to protect mm-hmm. our image of his family uh, while at the same time not wanting to bring maybe some of that messy past into our, yeah. into us kids as like, hey, this is an option or this is what the history of our family looks like. So I think some of it comes from probably wanting to, to protect us. Um, but then also his personality. Uh, you know, anytime we have a trip planned to, to go home to North Carolina to visit, my dad's so pumped, so excited. And quality time together is us just like sitting on the couch, have the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys on. Don't need to say a word to each other, but like just because we're together and hanging, um, it like is great. So our relationship has never been like the deep philosophical conversations. Uh, he's one of four boys, and they were absolutely nuts. And uh, <laughs> he he didn't have that kind of relationship with with his dad. So yeah, yeah. My my uh, my dad's the second youngest of nine, and my mom is the youngest of twelve. So it's like, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm still don't know why they chose to stop at three. They probably were like, I don't have, well, I have zero. I have zero desire to make my house look like what it was growing up, right? So, um, but uh, but yeah, it. You know, a couple of couple of my dad's brothers, you know, uh, may have had some run-ins with the law and ended up on the wrong side mm-hmm. of the bars and all that type of stuff. Where thankfully he, my dad never did. Um, had some run-ins with the law, but never ended up on the wrong side of the bars. So that's that's a plus. But uh, yeah. Um, but I've, I've, I've been trying to still get some of that out of my dad now, you know, um, 
it's been almost 40 years of trying to 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 pull that out of him um and it just doesn't it's i don't know if it's just like a an era thing like they're just he's like no that's just not or if he's done such a good job suppressing it and dumping all of that history that um he you know he'd rather just not bring it up you know sometimes what i'm wondering because i was i was curious on the same thing you know what you were saying is is like trying to save that image of of grandparents for us um and uh you know I, I lost that illusion pretty early on. It sounded like, I think that's what they were doing early on, but my, my, uh, my dad's stepdad, um, Howard, he had threatened to break my arm once when I was like, I don't know, eight, nine years old, um, maybe 10. And so I used to always pat him on his head and say, all right, see you later, grandpa. And, you know, I feel like we were still holding on to that illusion at that point. Um, uh, and then he said, if you ever touch me again, I'm going to break your arm. And, uh, and that was, that was the end of that, right? <laughs> that illusion was off into the dust and, uh, oh, so this is what it was like for my dad growing up. Got it. You know, and, and it still did, it barely clicked at that age, you know, but, but yet I could not imagine like the, uh, the stuff that that would have brought up for my dad, you know, from his past to dealing with that, uh, as his quote unquote father figure. Um, but man, oh man, what a mess. But, I think it's generational to an extent. Yeah. Um, where I think that generation was more just like suck it up and just yeah. deal with it. Um, yeah. Whereas now it seems like in the last 10 years, 15 years where it's like, share your feelings, be vulnerable. <laughs> um, which I mean, you love, I know because you're in abundance and that's the big thing is like, let's get real as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and talk about stuff that like actually matters. But uh, I think, I think that that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. There's, full stop but also i think that generation too yeah i think it is also i mean nobody wants to open up that baggage after a while you know <laughs> if you've if you've packed that baggage and it's stuck in that closet nice and firmly nobody really wants to open that nonsense up you know and that smelly yeah. baggage that everybody like no no i'll just leave that in the back of the closet thank you very much but yeah all right so your dad obviously turned turned around pretty well did did uh did well for himself going through going through all of that so um, is that kind of where you got maybe your entrepreneurial type of bug was from him or were you on a different path before and then came into the real estate side? I mean, obviously you were on some sort of a different path. It was 2017 when you started the real estate. But. Yeah. I mean, I'd say the, for me personally, I just, I, I kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship. Okay. I, I always loved the idea of it. Um, but my background before real estate was tech support. I worked at Apple for five years. Helping okay. grandmas learn how to uh, create photo albums on their computer. <laughs> um, no, this is how you turn it on, ma'am. Uh, so, in my mind, I didn't really have a, a profitable skill to become an entrepreneur. Now, mm-hmm. my mom is incredible, and her dad uh, ran, started, and ran a really successful ad agency for years and years and years. So he was artist, creative. Um, art director, ad director, photography, and paint, and like just all all sorts of mediums. Uh, and so my mom grew up working for her dad, the family mm-hmm. business. Um, and so I, I think that probably was instilled in me from a very young age of just family business, and this is cool and creative, and, and things like that. So was always encouraged in creativity and working hard. But I'd say what was instilled uh, to me from my dad was just the work hard, um, work hard and strive. Uh, mm-hmm. 
it's hard to, I mean, it just feels like a million years ago growing up, but I feel like up until maybe through high school and up until college, my dad was of the mindset of like, you work hard, you get the corporate gig, you work at the company for 30, 40 years and you retire with Mm -hmm. a gold watch. Um, but right around when I was right in college. So let me rewind with that mindset. I feel like that was more like directed. This is what you need to do. Like, this is the way you do it. There is a game plan because that was his history. Yeah. And then when I was in college, his, where he worked, went through an acquisition and he was the top dog. And then all of a sudden him being the guy that everyone loved in the office, he went to like, to another office and now he's just a number now his head's on the chopping block every time they Mm -hmm. are doing layoffs and things like that so i think his experience of like oh wait a second the world's changed because he experienced it that was a big drastic change of um you know maybe there's other ways other directions Mm -hmm. so not to say that he wasn't proud of things that i was doing previously but it was less of like a directed like you need to do this you need to go get that internship you need to work for that company and more of like oh i realize now that the world's changing and uh it's not like the old corporate structure that that he grew up with um so yeah i'd say i definitely learned just absolute motivation and sticking to your word and i grew up playing uh competitive soccer playing in school and playing in club and Mm-hmm. again getting older just seeing the how much my parents hustled to get me to practices and traveling and going to that tournament and things like that mm-hmm. uh and so pushing me and encouraging me uh in sports as well was definitely a way to kind of push me and instill that hard work um attitude awesome i would imagine some of the sales side of the house too just seeing how they how your parents both interacted with people and having that uh you know that that type of personality was that something that you were able to pick up from them as well or um is that something like because some people just they're natural at doing that type of stuff and you know it's funny because I've, I've seen some parents that are just unbelievably natural at it and their kids like hide behind them all the time and it's like okay well how, like some of that's obviously nature some of it's nurture just kind of curious yeah. on you because obviously you, you decided to go into sales and working on uh, um you know selling real estate and stuff you have that same uh you know, ability to, to keep people interested in chatting with you and um, having that sales background. Yeah. I feel like that's my superpower. Just like the biggest gift that God's given me is stick me in a room with anyone and I'm going to have a pretty good chance that I can make them smile and just help them feel comfortable and just Mm -hmm. us have a good conversation for sure. Got that from my parents. Um, we're always welcoming people in always being the hosts, always, making people feel comfortable. So I feel like I've got a really cool mix of my mom and my dad, where from my dad, just easygoing, kind of jokey personality, uh, being able to connect with people, make people feel seen. My mom has a lot of those qualities too, but my mom is like the organizer, the event planner, the spreadsheet lady, the operations, like operations Mm -hmm. mindset. So being able to get both of those from my parents has uh, equipped me with a skill that like really was a great crossover for real estate, as well as for my sure. experience working at Apple for five years. I mean, Apple, yeah. Apple's training is insanely good. I mean, their training is just great for the retail employees. Mm-hmm. And then just having practice for five years of 
talking to people that came in and they, Hey, I thought that I lost all of my family photos, <laughs> you know, like just people <laughs> devastation because their computer crashed. Right. And being yeah. able to, um, be able to talk with people, make them feel comfortable, address their concerns. Um, so three of my years at Apple were in the, in the twin cities here in Minnesota. And then two of my years at Apple was actually in Sydney, Australia. Um, oh. and so, you know, crossing borders too, and being able to have conversations with people from different cultures and different backgrounds and things like that. I feel like I just earned a master's level degree and just connecting with people, which is really, yeah. really fun. So what, how did you get into Australia? That's really interesting. Is that just something yeah, you applied so, for or how'd that pop up? Yeah. So, um, let's see, Sarah and I got married in 2013. So 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then in uh, 2015, we had the opportunity to go abroad because my little sister uh, was married to a British guy named Sam, who we love. Uh, and they were living over in right outside of Oxford, England. So mm-hmm. they said, hey, come over here. We have an extra bedroom and like do the European backpacking thing for a couple months. So the initial thought was, because we had, we had both taken our jobs. Sarah and I had taken our jobs as far as we thought we wanted to. So my next steps at Apple were, were management. And I just didn't really feel like I strongly about retail management um, as mm-hmm. a long-term path. And, and so we put our stuff in storage and moved to England with our backpacks, thinking we'll be gone for two or three months. Mm-hmm. And so my sister hosted us where we would go and do a two-week trip in ireland and then come back for a week and plan what do we do next and then a two-week trip in germany austria italy in a car and then so did a couple that for a couple months had uh christmas with her family in wales um and then we were running out of money so the thought was okay we either need to figure out a way to make money abroad or go home the original plan was just to go home at that point because in my mind i was like i'm gonna have a mountaintop experience i'm gonna have this epiphany the Lord's going to tell me like, Taylor, go back and do this thing. <laughs> um, that's not how it works. Uh, come to find out. Uh, but I had some friends that I had worked with in the twin cities. Moved down to Sydney, Australia. And they're like, Hey, mm-hmm. we have an extra bedroom here. You guys should come down here, get it, get working holiday visas and we'll get you a job at Apple. Um, so instead of coming home, we got one way tickets to Sydney. Uh, so we went the other direction um, mm-hmm. to go further away from home, and uh, I got rehired at Apple, thinking we'd be I'd be there for two or three months, and we could go home just with a little bit of a cushion. Um, but then the Lord just made some really cool interactions there with customers, like stuff that just doesn't happen um, mm-hmm. in a really cool way. And so management at the store was just like, hey who are you? Like, what are you doing here? Like, we want you to stay. So I interviewed for a, uh, a promotion. They gave me the promotion and they sponsored us for a visa, which that visa would have put nice. us on track to become Australian citizens if we wanted to. Uh, so our two month trip, uh, abroad turned into almost two years abroad with most of that being in Sydney. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've, you've mentioned it a few different times with like, uh, you know, um, the Lord putting you in different situations and hoping to hear something, but I, I'm interested to hear what kind of situations and how are you able to decipher there were situations that were 
odds you like that 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 meant something when you were um, meeting some of these customers and how all that that kind of path worked out. Yeah, so just a very easy example. So I had I had come from from three years at Apple, and very mm. seldom. Oh, do you see wow. fireworks behind me? Yeah, sweet. I don't know. I don't know um, what you did, from, but well, I, I mean, I saw either. both of your hands. I don't know what you touched, yeah. but impressive. Boy, let me. Uh, let me maybe it's I can up. do that. I don't know what that um, was. So I had come from two or three years of experience at Apple in the Twin Cities, and very seldom. Do you have a customer interaction where the customer is like, oh my gosh, who's your manager? I want to give you kudos. Mm. And that in like the first week I was there, I think that happened two or three times where they're like, where's your manager? Right over there. And they go up and they're like, oh my gosh, we love Taylor. Um, <laughs> and, and so I know that didn't happen because my three years at Apple previously, yeah. like that, that just hardly ever happens, right? It was the accident. It's one of those things. That's what it was. Probably, um, <laughs> it's like you don't need to give that an experience for everyone to tell everyone, but you have to give a pretty acceptable experience for people to like want to stick their neck out yeah. for you. So I just had a couple of of those experiences uh, in like the first week or two, uh, enough to where the man- managers were like, "What is going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who is this person?" We need to keep um, this guy. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's. Uh... I would imagine that would have been a really exciting experience. I've never, I mean, I've lived overseas multiple times, but, um, uh, you know, it's always been the, the military or the government sending me somewhere to say, Hey, this is where you're going to go now, you know? And it's, a uh, it's a different, different experience to just kind of pack up your bags and go and figure it all out. So I think that was, that, that had to been a lot of fun. Um, and obviously it was pre kids. It, it was, but... it was really fun in a lot of ways, but also really tough in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. traveling full time is way different than just working in a different yeah. city abroad. So I, I felt like one thing that I was really quick to correct people on was when they'd be like, oh my gosh, you're in Sydney. You're so lucky. And I'm like, well, yes, but I'm working here. Mm-hmm. And it's, so I'm just working, norm, living normal life. I just happen to be as far away from pa- family and friends as possible. Yeah. Um, and it's not like I have the ability to go to the beach every day. Now, on the weekends, you could go to world-class beaches, which was great. Yeah. Um, but I, I had a really great experience. Uh, Sarah, my wife, had a really tough experience. So we we um, had some really, really good, but really tough growing pains in our marriage. Uh, just because being that far away is really hard. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. What um, walk me through some of those growing pains and what that what that looked like and how you guys kind of worked through that. Um, cause here you are obviously, you know, uh, that was 2015 was when you moved over there. So here yeah. you are, you know, seven years later, eight years later, um, uh, obviously things worked through and worked out a little bit, uh, but talk me through some of those pains and how you guys were able to work through some of that. Yeah. I think a lot of it stemmed from, we were in our late twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 34 now. So we were like 37, 38, or sorry, 27, 28. And, uh, a lot of it was stemmed from Sarah just being like, what the heck are we doing here? Like, mm-hmm. this has been great. Well, we say we want to have a family. We have no foundation. We're living out of our backpacks. What the heck mm-hmm. are we doing? Um, and then my response being, I'm an international business major. I never thought I'd use my major and kind of technically I am now. So mm-hmm. I'm building my resume. So I'm going to go back with, uh, 
I'm doing a lot of cool gestures on Riverside. Yeah, I don't, I didn't know. I've never seen these gestures pop up. For those of you who are just listening on the podcast, you're missing a show because on the YouTube <laughs> side of the house, we're able to see these fireworks, these weird thumbs up popping up. I don't know how you're doing that, but that's impressive. Now I'm going to have to research this because tech is not my thing, but clearly it's yours because you're doing it without even knowing it. So, um, so yeah, we're just the idea of like, hey, we don't have a foundation. We need a foundation in order to move our life forward. So mm-hmm. Sarah had a, a very clear feeling of like, we're just spinning our tires, wasting time. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was working in the flagship Apple store, three stories high, full glass front, leading a massive uh, genius bar team and skateboarding to work every day and rock climbing in the Blue Mountains on the weekend. So I was having the time of my life and Sarah was having a really tough time. So it was uh, a lot of growing on my side of, I need to support my wife better. (laughs) I like, it doesn't matter. I need to stop being selfish and I need to do what's right for our family and Mm -hmm. not just selfishly what what I think is right. So uh, it was like every three or four months, there would just be a tough conversation of like, what are we doing here? And I'd be like, well, this is what we're doing here. And then finally we had one of those conversations and I was like, you know what? That's right. Let's just just go home. And, um, and I think when I said it out loud, when I verbalized it was when I, in my brain, it clicked. I'm like, you're right. What are we doing? Let's just go home. Um, in retrospect, I, I think the experience we had as a married couple, um, was just absolutely transformational for us. Um, and just going through challenge and being on the same page, uh, and being able to kind of get some of that wanderlust out of our systems, not feeling like, well, what if we would have done this? Like we were able mm-hmm. to do some really cool stuff. Uh, but then I also think one of the main reasons we were there is we got super involved in, in a small little local church there and just absolutely had, um, just a life changing experience in that. It was the first time we, as adults, had chosen to get involved with the church community mm-hmm. with people who were like actually doing it, like actually doing the Christian thing, like yeah. not just a church on Sunday thing. Uh, like, hey, we hang out a lot during the week, and this is what we do during the week, and yeah. uh, so it was a really cool, growing experience for me in my faith walk. It was really fun. Yeah, that's that's always a a, a huge thing to be able to to look back on and and feel that support of the church and knowing that you're doing the right thing in that front. But, um, but I want to stay on the the marriage thing for a minute and then I'll, I'll get back to the, the faith side of the house. But, um, so for two years, was it the whole two years that you were there that she was kind of saying, Hey, like, what are we doing every three to four months? Or was the beginning not so bad? And it kind of turned into that or, um, you know, cause I mean, that's a, that's a long time and I'm just trying to piece together like your mindset through those two years and how, like, what was it that finally got you over the hump? No, I would say it was probably the last uh, six to 12 months that we were okay. there because we we traveled. So we left the U.S. It was like September 2015 and then did UK and Europe until January 2016 and then got one-way flights to Sydney January 2016. Um, and then we got sponsored for visas, I think, that that May. April, May, June, somewhere in that summer. So the traveling part was really, really fun. Then we went down to Australia and that was a new experience. But when we were on our working holiday visas, it was kind of like a one foot in, one foot out. So 
I don't know if you've, you've been deployed abroad, you know, the like, well, I don't want to get the nice blender because I'm mm. just leaving in three months or like, yeah. I don't want to invest in this relationship because why would mm. I? Cause I'm probably going to leave in a month. So why would I put all the effort in to try to get to know this person yeah. when it, when it doesn't matter? Um, was a, is a very bad perspective and that's the one we have. Uh, and then we got sponsored for, we, we found that our time was going to be longer. Um, and once we got sponsored for the visas, we we're like, we'll, we'll commit to a year. We'll do a year here. Um, and so once we got into that more long-term mindset of us being there for a year, sometime in there was when Sir was just ready to come home and I wasn't. Yeah, the um, I could totally relate to the experience of just kind of like, well, why do this? Because we're going to be leaving soon. The, so one benefit about the military side of the house is that all of us are in the same boat. So it made life a little yeah. easier. You built those relationships in a very different way, especially when you're like actually deployed, like, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan type of deployed versus just assigned somewhere for three years. Um, you know, and it, it's a it's such an odd feeling. And I, I'm watching, um, you know, military folks who, you know, in North Carolina, I was stationed in North Carolina, and you see that a lot from because there's a lot of military in North Carolina. They get married to somebody and leave, and then all of a sudden the spouse is like, I, I don't know why we're doing this. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And the military member's like, well, this is what I've been doing. You married me knowing this. And then you see all these divorces from people just wanting to jump ship and leave. Yeah. Um, the wives the wives just are like, you know, uh, the spouses, I should say, are just kind of like, I, I don't know if I want to, I, I don't know if I know what I signed up for on this, you know? And, and yeah. I guess it would be similar in your sense. Like, I don't, I don't know if I know what I signed up for with this two to three month trip that's now two years long, mm. you know? Um, but, uh, so for me and my wife, it's always been communication. It's been one of the biggest things and it sounds like your, your wife is, was big on pushing that communication side of the house for you. Um, were you, do you feel like you were hiding from the communication or, or you just weren't necessarily hearing it? Like you were, you were listening to it, but not really hearing it type of thing. Um, you know, were you, were you, do you think you were clouded by the excitement that you were having? Where do you think that the disconnect was for that, you know, that last year? Uh, I think probably clouded by the excitement that I was having. Uh, but also thinking that, well, clearly I'm correct here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, thinking that just because in my mind I could justify the reasons for us being there, mm-hmm. it meant that it was okay to, for us to push through it. Um, yeah, I, I think it was just selfishness, honestly. So I think that, you know, seeing, um, and, and I ask to, and I'll, I'll put it in a different context for, for anybody who might be listening is that we tend to, we can do that a lot, especially entrepreneurs, business type of folks, business minded folks. I, I could justify why I have this extra meeting, why I'm doing these extra things, why we're pushing these things here or there without actually taking the time to think about what that's, what's that, what that's doing to our family, what that's, or in your case, future family, like, okay, we're not even able to have our family yet because we're doing all of this travel or, you know, in a different country, we don't really know when we're leaving, what we're doing. Um, um, so I'm, I'm wondering, like, if, as as now where you're sitting, um, have you caught yourself getting into that pattern at all again in, in business life? Or do you feel like that was kind of a, a good altering point for you, a, a good pivot point for you in that, that thought process to make sure you were thinking about, um, you know, how Sarah has been working through all this stuff as, you know, through your choices as well? Because, I mean, that's that's been really hard for me on the business side. You know, she, my wife knew what was going on when I was in the military. Right. And when I was going back in mm-hmm. the military. Right. So we were both on the same page there, but I don't, I don't know if she quite understood what it meant when I started buying real estate, when I started getting into, you know, business owning and operating and like that type of stuff. Like now it's a different, 
a different level of communication and conversations that we have to have that I'm not sure she's totally bought in on still to this point. And that's, you know, been, been years. But. Yeah. Two, so two things come to mind. First, let me just rewind to that, that whole idea of uh, like, well, I'm only here for a month. Why would mm-hmm. I do this? Uh, one of my mentors that I was able to, to meet in, in Australia told me, he said, don't put a limit on the amount of time that God needs to make an impact on your life. Oh yeah. Whether it's a month or a year, like you're really limiting what God can do. Like you're putting God in a box of like, Oh, he needs all this time. So I just do an encouragement for anybody out there. It's like, you know, even if it's a short amount of time, don't discount the fact that a lot can happen during that time. Uh, so yes, I have found myself to, to get back to what you were saying is have I found myself getting into that mindset of maybe justifying actions? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is really easy to do as a motivated person, as, yeah. as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. Um, getting into that, that, that mindset of I'm doing this so that one day, or I'm doing this so that one day. So I, I've, I probably fell into that a lot more when I was starting my business, just that three, three years, two, three, four years of grind mode of like just getting traction, getting the snowball, yeah. ro- snowball rolling. Um, probably had easier times justifying it then compared to now. I feel like I have some good systems and really good operations and good uh, people to delegate to um, to help prevent this mindset. But it's really easy to get into, well, I'm putting in the extra time now so that later I have the time to spend time with my kids or yeah. I'm taking this call because I need to make this sale so that I, I make the extra commission so that I'll have the mo- money one day to give really big mm-hmm. or I'm doing And then realizing with that mindset, I mean, you're just moving the goalpost. Um, it, you're never going to achieve that final goal. Um, yeah. And if you keep using that as a way to justify, well, you're not guaranteed that the money is going to be there. You're not going to guarantee that you're going to have the time. And even if you have the money and the time, well, all the relationships that you neglected on your way there are no longer part of your life. So great. You have time to spend with kids that don't like you because you've been absent. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. So really try to check myself uh, on that mindset. Yeah, that's, uh, I think it's super valuable to at least keep that in mind. And I hope that anybody listening is doing the same thing because it's, um, you know, how many times have we heard, uh, you know, as you were, uh, you know, as your wife was pregnant or, uh, you know, when your kids, you know, you're probably hearing a bunch right now too. Oh man, they grow up so fast. It's crazy how fast they grow Mm -hmm. up. But yet here in our businesses, we'll be like, okay, well, I just need to do this for this period of time. Forgetting that that period of time is also the same period of time that our kids are growing up so fast we're missing it. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have this, wanted to, to run this podcast is so that I could constantly be thinking about that. If, if for no other reason, then it's a reminder for me every time I talk to somebody that like, you know, this, this little guy that's sleeping on my lap right here is before I know it. Um, you know, I'm going to pivot a second there. I was saying it this weekend. Um, uh, we were walking around and my, my eight year old who is like a, a little ball of muscle now, like the kid is, he's not light. He's, you know, for eight years old, he's, he's just this little, you know, he's, he's thin, but man, he's just a brick. He's like 70 pounds at eight years old. It's ridiculous. I don't know how heavy he is. It's something like that. Um, but it's like just a ball of muscle. And he was like, daddy, let me, you know, can I ride on your shoulders? And I was like, dude, like, 
no, you're too, like, I, I can't keep tossing you up on my shoulders anymore. Like, I've got, I've had neck surgery, shoulder surgery, my back's not in the greatest of shape. Let's, let's tone down the shoulder rides, right? And then I was telling my wife, I was like, it's funny because I was listening to somebody and he was, he was saying, you know, you don't know when it's going to be, but there's going to be, you're going to have a last time where your kid sits on your lap. You're going to have a last mm-hmm. time where your kid asks you to you know, ride on your shoulders. You're going to have a last time where um, they're comfortable holding your hand um, walking through the mall. Like, you're going to have a lot. You don't know when that last time is going to be, but there's going to be a last time. And you're only going to know that it was the last time when you look back at it and go, boy, that was the last time that's ever going to happen again. And it might be a year after that last time. And it was like, dude, toss your kid on your shoulder. Like, I don't care. So I put Adam up on my shoulders and, you know, like I was telling that to my wife, I was like, man, I need to remind myself of this. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, it's one of the reasons that I, you know, even before we started recording, like, I know I'm going to get something out of this podcast. If for no other reason than this portion of the conversation, you and I talking, reminding me that this, this right here, having my, my, you know, my youngest boy sitting here on my lap sleeping while I'm recording, like, I'm not going to have this forever. And I need to remember mm-hmm. that. So, um, these constant reminders, I think, are extremely necessary. And that's one of the reasons I love GoBundance as well, is we, we talk about all of those things. It's not just about business and how, you know, you know how, many, how much money did you make last year? You know, how much is your net worth increased? You know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a lot about, you know, hey, how's your health? How's your longevity for your family? How, are your fa- how is your family actually doing? How's your, how's your marriage? Um, and I think that having that constant reminder is, is phenomenal. Um, and, you know, I, I, I applaud you for, for realizing it and you know semi-early in your relationship and trying to to push through that uh even now um but i'm jealous that uh that you've got some of that uh uh, automation a little bit more than i do in my businesses that's for sure so well i I gotta i gotta work on that and chat with you about that but um well i i um i totally can resonate with what you're just saying and i try to i try to remind myself of that in the moments where Rory's having a meltdown or is Mm -hmm. feeling really needy and wants to hold my hand, but it's inconvenient because I'm trying to cook breakfast and I need both hands. Um, Just listen to a podcast a couple weeks ago. Alex Hormozzi was being interviewed and he said a practice that he does sometimes is he imagines himself as his 85 year old self looking back at his life in the now present moment and just thinking I would give nothing. I mean, I would, I would give everything to have Rory be upset. I'm like, I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, I'm giving all away right now just to like have Rory just want to hold my hand right now. Yeah. Or, yeah. or to like wake me up in the middle of the night. She needs to cuddle at 3 a.m. at 3 a.m. and now yeah. sleep sucks that night but i get to cuddle like yeah i, I try I try to i try to remember that <clears throat> we're, we're going to look back at, at the at today and say wow those were the glory days like those were the good old days and so try mm-hmm. to live with the mindset of like we're in the good old days right now there's going to be some frustrating times going to be a lot of uh patience that's tested but we're in the good old days like you only get such a limited time amount of time with your kids and just man live it up every day so i'm hoping that that conversations like this when somebody's listening to it and that you know after you and i have this is that we remember that tomorrow that we're living the good old days so we remember that in five years that we're living in the good old days because i want us to always look back 
with a delight that we've been doing the right things and enjoying that time with the kids, mm-hmm. no matter where they were at, no matter what they were doing. Um, you know, because when they're, you know, 20 years old and we're, you know, um, you know cross country skiing with them or, you know, downhill skiing out in Tahoe or doing whatever, like those are now the new good old days because we don't have to yeah. lose any of that. Right. Um, and we can always look back on these, these moments and enjoy, enjoy the fact that they were there. Like, I mean, the breakdowns, the meltdowns, you know, you and I started this, this recording late because this one right here was having a hard time you know going to sleep yeah. right like that that's that's tough right but at the same point man now i get to enjoy him hanging out here on my lap just i mean sweating his butt off and making my shirt all wet from all of the sweat but you know it's enjoyable nonetheless i'm going to remember it that it's going to be a good time right but um but no, I, I there's there's not much better in life to me than than being a dad you know and uh, i've said it on the podcast many times and i'll continue to say it you know i've got god number one my marriage number two and my kids number three like putting them in that order making sure that they know that they're they're very wanted they're needed i love them like um forever and ever and always will um, but man oh man but uh, uh but anyways um so tell me a little bit about your your faith because you've mentioned it a few times i love to, to go down that path a little bit and like did you grow up uh in the church and you know what is what is um you know christianity look like to you in your life yeah, so I fortunate to grow up in church. Um, went to private Christian school my entire life, baby. Mm-hmm. Never in public school, uh, which was a lot of sacrifice and hustle on my parents' side because it ain't cheap. And mm-hmm. I realized that. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I had a very common story for those that grew up in church, where it starts out as like, well, I do this because this is what everyone does or, and I'm doing this because I'm told I'm doing it. And then you go through kind of a exploration of, okay, why do we believe this? Okay. Mm -hmm. What do I believe? And um, so very fortunate that I never uh, went off the deep end and did anything crazy exploring like the other side of things. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd say in college went through a phase of, um, taking my faith seriously, but also just having really messy theology. Uh, and then I, I'd say kind of post-college, um, again, like going to church on Sundays, but it was really only a Sunday thing. Didn't super take it seriously. Uh, and then I'd say it was when we were in Australia, again, like making some of the friends that we made there uh, was something that was super impactful to me in my faith. I'd say probably one of the biggest impacts was me finding a group of dudes, young guys at church that every Thursday we got together for coffee at five a- or 6 a.m. before mm-hmm. everyone went to work. And we just, how was your week? What's going on? Nice. How cool we pray for you? So like yeah. being in community with Christian dudes, like game changer. Yeah. Absolute game changer. Uh, so then moved back to the Twin Cities uh, in 2017. That's when I started a real estate business. but then. I got super involved with the church, uh, a local church here. Uh, and I, th- I think that was the first time in my adult life where I'm like, I'm going to really actually try to do this thing, like live, the, mm-hmm. try to live like Jesus says, like you're supposed to live and try to love people the way that the Bible says and not feel like I'm doing all of these like church things because they're tasks I need to check yeah. off, but actually like having a deep desire to know Jesus and want to be more like him. So uh, Sarah and I are in an incredible community here in the Twin Cities. Go to an awesome church that preaches the Bible. Just 
We're going through Revelation right now, which is absolutely hardcore bonkers. Revelation yeah. is nuts. Um, but it's like, hey, we're going to go through these six verses today. Right, so just yeah. stri- uh, teach it straight from the Bible. Um, and yeah, I- I'd say faith is of utmost importance to me. If you look at the core values of our real estate team on our website, uh, it's all it's all values straight from the Bible with verses. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a team, uh, we're always getting together, praying for each other, sharing stuff in faith, and just encouraging each other. It's because I just know that with your, if your identity is wrapped up as a business owner, if your identity is based on being, if your identity is based on being a dad. If it's based on any of that, you're you're gonna fail. Yeah. And w- then when you fail, you're absolutely destroyed because, well, your foundation was built on something that was unstable. Mm-hmm. So. Me feeling, me being a, a, a Christian business owner, I feel like I'm just absolutely unstoppable because it doesn't matter what happens in my business. Yeah. Because no matter what, I'm already saved, I'm already redeemed, my identity is found as a, a son of God. So um, yeah, I feel like God plus one is the majority and you're going to, the victory's already been won, right? So I just yeah. said a whole lot of like kitschy Christianese uh, words. So I apologize <laughs> for to your listeners but uh it's just something that i'm just super pumped on and super excited about and and i just don't see how you make it through life without having a foundation in faith um yeah it's just it would be really it's really hard even with that and and without that i just yeah i just i would want that for for everybody yeah you know it's 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 hard because i think everybody has faith in something right it's where they're putting their faith right and um uh, you know, even somebody who's an atheist, like they, they have faith that they're correct in that, right? Like their yeah. faith is in the fact that there is no such thing as God. Um, and that's where they're holding, that's what they're holding on to, right? And that's still faith. That's still, you know, a belief in something. You know, if you look at, um, uh, creationism from, from that perspective and say, okay, well, um, you know, the Big Bang, well, you, you still have faith that the Big Bang is accurate. Like there's still faith there, right? Because you still have this one. I think Joe Rogan recently on one of the podcasts talked about it. He's like, there's still, you know, no matter where you look at it, there's still, it comes down to one, one thing, like one, one thing had to have happened, but none of us know what that one thing was, right? So the Christians say it was God and the, you know, scientists who are non-Christians say that it's this Big Bang. Well, there's still, you still have to have faith in something that something mm-hmm. had to have happened, you know, and where are we putting our faith? Are we putting our faith in something that, that crumbles and can't stand the test of time? Or are we putting our faith in something that, that doesn't crumble at all? Um, and to me, you know, like it's, it was one of the, like growing, uh, going through a lot of the same stages you did and, and, and you know, trying to, establish my my faith as a christian as an adult um you know I've, I've probably done it you know rebuilt it twice as an adult um and the the second time i rebuilt it was probably is now the strongest that it's been um in really digging into okay what what do atheists actually say what does you know the world actually say about x y or z happening and like is you know and looking at um uh you know, other religions and say, okay, well, if you look at Muhammad, if you look at, you know, Joseph Smith, if you look at all these various different things, like it doesn't, those two people in particular, right? God gave them this revelation themselves that nobody else could ever see, that nobody else ever saw that like, and then it, it tends to crumble when you go past that person, um, where I looked at Christianity and went, okay, well, it doesn't crumble past Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, like it doesn't crumble past this. It stays 
firm in where it's at. Um, and that's where, you know, it, it's, it's been a, um, you know, my, my turn to, to go on, on and on for a little bit. And I'm not even sure where the point of that was all going, but it, it, it took a lot of work to kind of rebuild that and understand what it was that I wanted to do and, and how I wanted to raise my kids. And, um, cause I did the same thing. I grew up with a, you know, my, my mom went to church every week. My dad still doesn't, we're still, still holding on hope, still trying, but, uh, um, but you know, I, I grew up in the church just like knowing that this is okay. Well, this is what everybody does. And it took some work to get through all of that. So, um, I'm going to pause there for a minute to see if you had anything you wanted to add to what I just said. And then I've got a question for you after that. Well, I think, uh, something that's a really cool opportunity that we have as dads, if you call yourself a Christian. So there's a crazy stat. I'm going to butcher the numbers, but I'll give you the idea. If, if the kid is the one that is trying to lead the family in faith, there's like a 4% chance that the family follows. If the mom is the one that tries to lead the family in faith, there's like a 17% chance. Uh, but if the dad is the one that's the one that's leading the charge in faith in the family, it's upwards of like 80 or 90% chance that like the family wow. falls, like follows. Um, which I just think is such a cool responsibility and opportunity that we have as men to not even, it's not do as I say, it's more do as I do, right? Being able yeah. to model that and, and being able to show like, uh, man, I, I, I can't wait for my girls to walk downstairs and then catch me doing devotions at the table. Yeah. Um, cause I just want that seared in their memory of like, oh, this is just, this is normal. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, and I, I think what you what you mentioned, not, like do as I do, right? And making sure that we're actually representing that properly, right? I mean, if if we want to, I mean, it's not a game to be played; it's a life to be lived. Like we have to make sure that we're actually living that life and not just playing that game and hitting those checkboxes. Um, you know, and playing that that uh, that Christian game, and that all too often it still happens to me now. I mean, I'm not nobody's nobody's perfect. That's one of the that's one of the benefits about church is we're all hypocrites, so everybody's welcome because every one of us still sin and still do the things that are wrong. So please come on in, come and come and join. The water is uh, hopefully warm and not lukewarm, and we're not sitting on both sides of the fence. But um, but there's you know there's work to be done in all of us, and I want to make sure that we're you know walking that walk the way we're supposed to and representing. Uh, representing Christian men the way that we should, you know, and, uh, um, you know, and that goes into to my question is, is you and I both had a similar, similar thing as, as far as like, it just, this is just what people do. Um, but yet when we got a little mm -hmm. older, um, may have not necessarily stepped away from the church or stepped away from our faith, but, um, you know, had to, had to play some tug of war with that. What, if anything, are you doing to think about how you want to, uh, make it so that your kids maybe have that tug of war while they're still in the house with you. Maybe um, challenge their faith a little bit while they're still there to help them kind of work through it while they still have a support system that's guaranteed to be there. There as as opposed to when they're out of the house and the support system is wherever they choose for that support system to be. I don't know if that question is making sense, but um, I can reword it if needed. No, I, I think I think I know what you're saying. It's like how how do you. Uh, equip them to be able to defend what they believe and actually be thoughtful about what they believe. Yeah. Instead of just like, I mean, cause I feel like I went through the motions as a child. Um, like this is just what people do. So I'm just going to go through these same motions. And then it took a while for me to kind of build that up myself. And I don't want that to be the same case for my kids. Um, I'd like that to be a little bit more defense early, you know? Yeah. 
I think one going through the motions is important. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if I only read the Bible on the days where I was like really pumped to do it, then it, there's probably a lot of days that I wouldn't, but that doesn't mean that there's not value in me doing it. Right. So I I know you know that. Um, But I, I think it's, for me and what we've planned to do is like already all of the books that we read are like very theologically sound, like really great Christian kid books um, Mm -hmm. that are diving into like, we have a children's adapted pilgrim's progress, which is super, super cool. It's like a a picture chapter book. um, And that's Rory's favorite book to read. And it talks about, you know, these kids going on a journey and going through struggles and, and asking for help and um, just putting the story of Jesus into a, a more, into a journey, a story of a journey. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that, um, and then also just being thoughtful about conversations uh, at home. Right now, that's what I'm trying to prepare myself for is when my kids get old enough to where I feel like I can have really good, deep conversations like that. So right now, all of my, all everything in my head is like, in theory, if I do this, or I would like <laughs> to do this. So a yeah. lot of it is uh, what I what I plan, like I want to do. Um, I'm holding up a book for those that are listening called Habits of the Household uh, by Justin Early. I don't know. Have you read this, Adam? Have you seen I have this? Not. Uh, it's just doing things like this. I'm trying to prepare myself on like, how do I... Uh, bring God into the normal everyday everyday habits of our household instead of just like, yeah, before we eat dinner, we thank God for the food and we say a prayer mm-hmm. before we go to night, go to bed, and on Sundays we go to church. Um, this is a book that I'd recommend you read and anybody read. It's uh, The subtitle is Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. What I like about this is that it's not written by so that went to seminary uh, was written by a lawyer. A dude with <laughs> three boys that's just in the thick of parenting and he wrote himself a manual for himself of okay, here's every part of the day. Waking up, meal times, discipline, screen time, family devo- devotions, marriage, work, play, conversation, and bedtimes. Nice. And this is why those things are important as a family why it's important to insert God into it. And there's some tactical ideas on how you can do that. Uh, so I really love this book. I'm almost done and, and really, really suggest it. This is motivating. Like, hey, this is why this is important, but also here's some ideas. Do these things. Yeah, yeah I like it. Yeah, I, uh, I have wrote it down. I will have to get it for sure. Um, the I'm also interested in the books you talked about as well, the kids' books that you talked about. Um, so I've been trying to get my, my kids. So I started homeschooling this year. Um, so various different reading, um, you know, for my fourth grader, like a bunch of different types of reading material that I bought for him. And, um, I, this, what you're talking about sounds like it would be right up my alley to, to get him. So just so every, the listeners, if anyone's listening to this, the website for those books, lithoskids.com, L-I-T-H-O-S kids.com. And it's little pilgrims, big journey. And it's That's just awesome. awesome. Yeah. It's just so good. 
All right. So building habits for sure. And, and showing so that, yeah, I mean, going through the motions, I think is, um, is necessary for sure. Like for me, I'm a huge why kind of guy and I've trained my kids to ask why a billion times. So, um, uh, cool. that's also challenged me to try to figure out why it is I'm doing certain things. Okay. Well, why is it that I'm going through these motions? Like, why are these motions important? Um, and I think that, uh, um, I, I need to build a good, um, reference point for my kids for my family to be able to say okay this this is actually why and be able to verbalize it better than i think i can right now so um uh, but i think that's i mean that's a, a constant work in progress to make sure that i'm i'm building the the family relationship as it you know as it's supposed to be as as god would lo- want want it to be so um all right so let me like, let me that's, ch- gonna, oh, that's okay. gonna be a really hard stage of parenting for me is when you get to a stage where your kids start making their own decisions and you kind of mm. make, allow them to make bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So until the point that you just planted some really great seeds in their hearts and in their souls. So they know if they go off the track they just know they know where their value is. Yeah. They feel that conviction. Yeah. <laughs> mm. you know, that, where, where it's helped. I mean, cause I've, I've, you know, I know the the track that I went on. I mean, I wasn't a, a, a terrible kid by any means, but I certainly was not uh, an angel either, right? So, I'm um, trying to uh, figure out, you know, what what my kids are going to be doing and how that's going to work and how I want to react to it. And um, I already do a poor enough job reacting sometimes with the, the what, what they do now. What the heck am I going to do when they're you know 14 and 17 instead? You know, like what a uh, what a pain this is going to be. A wonderful pain, but it's going to be on my shoulders to make sure that I'm representing again what what a, a godly man that's running a household is supposed to be doing, not necessarily just um, what the world wants to see or anything like that. But man, it's it's not easy, uh, especially when you're looking at how we're running businesses and how all that's going at the same time. And man, oh man, um, there's a book that I read called Dad Tired and Loving It, and that was a great one for me to to kind of uh, look through as well, and you know, reminding myself that. Um, no matter what it is that we're doing as a dad, like it's, it's a, um, it's a needed thing. Like we like be exhausted be a, be a dad. That's very tired mm-hmm. because you've been doing all the stuff that you need to be doing for your family and you're not just kind of coasting along. So, um, awesome. all right. I want to chat a little bit about your business side of the house. So you got in real estate 2017. What led you down the path to go become a real estate agent and, you know, open up your own, you know, branch of Remax? Um, <laughs> So it was, it was an accident on my end. So we moved back uh, to the States summer of 2017. I thought I was just going to jump into corporate tech because that's where my background was. And in my mind, I had a pretty strong resume. Um, but we came back into town right at the point where my brother-in-law had been on a real estate team for about a year. It was doing really, really well. And he wanted to start his own team. So that was right when we were coming back and he, my brother-in-law, Sam, this is not British Sam. This is American Sam. I have two brother-in-laws named Sam. Um, so this is when American Sam talked to his sister, my wife, Sarah, said, hey, Sarah, you should talk to Tay about real estate. I think he'd be good at it. So you, really hold be- on. You've got two brothers-in-law named Sam. Your sister's name is Sarah and your wife's name is Sarah. Nope, nope. My, uh, I probably said that really confusing. Sam, my brother-in-law, his sister is Sarah, who is my oh, wife. Okay, gotcha. You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, that I thought it was your sister, were, Sarah. I was like, golly. Things are about to get weird. Um, no, my wife, Sarah. Uh, 
So Sam talked to Sarah and said, Hey, you should talk to Sam about real estate. So, uh, I never considered real estate as an option ever. Mm-hmm. So when Sam brought that as, as an idea, make sure to just pay about the time and talk to everybody and just say, what do you think? This is an option. What do you think? Looking for someone to say like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. And everyone was like, Oh my gosh, you should totally do it. Uh, so Especially 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So July, 2017, I took my real estate classes in August, 2017, got licensed. And that was when my brother-in-law, Sam, and I started uh, Team Steady Real Estate. And uh, so the team was just Sam and his idiot older brother-in-law, Taylor, trying to hustle around and sell any and every house possible. Nice. Uh, Yeah. So it it was something that I never saw myself doing, but now something I can't really imagine ever not doing Mm -hmm. in some fashion. Awesome. So the, so you got into it 2017, uh, started doing the, the agent stuff, selling houses. Um, yep. uh, when did you start to like actually grow this thing? Cause there's so many agents out there that are just, they, uh, they just buy or they sell a house, you know, and that's it. You know, they sell a house, they help yep. somebody buy a house. That's it. And then you decided you were going to build a team instead and run it that way. How did that conversation go? What, what was that path? So, yeah, I mean, selfishly, we wanted to start a team because Real estate is an individual sport that we wanted to try to make a team sport in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, I know the value of being sort having a great team culture and being surrounded by like-minded individuals that are going to push you. Um, yeah. so we started the team end of summer, 2017, 2018, we brought on our first full-time agent. His name's Lars Anderson, who's also in GoBundance, mm-hmm. who, uh, is now our third team leader. So me, Sam and Lars, uh, and, Sam got up and running. He taught me. I kind of wrote it down and systematized it. Then we passed it on. I got up and running really quick. We brought in Lars. Said, okay, well, is, can we do this a third time? And Lars got up and running even quicker than we did. And, and then every year after that, we picked up maybe one one to three agents. So now it's Sam, Lars, and I and 12 agents on the team. So 15 agents, nice. including us. So We've never grown for the sake of growth. Uh, everybody that's come onto the team, for the most part, has been someone that went to college with all of those guys. Um, <laughs> most of the guys on the team all went to a, a local Christian university here in the Twin Cities called Bethel. Uh, and so it's like, hey, my buddy Lars is on the team. Like, oh, hey, my buddy Brett's on the team. Oh, And so just sitting down with people and just saying, like, hey, do your values align? Are you going to add to the culture? Well, this is yeah, this is it's, this is kind of hard to do. As as long as we set good expectations, like come on board, and let's try. It. Yeah. Um, and so now I've gotten to a point where we just have such an awesome guy. It's like I almost feel bad talking about my job because I really, actually, genuinely enjoy my job. But then work with the best people on the face of the planet, and we're all entrepreneurs, self-employed, so we mm-hmm. don't have to play by any of the rules that uh, you might need to when you're in like the corporate structure where you have to be, yeah. you have to be careful about talking about your faith or like you, you can't, you know, you can't pray as a team or you can't have this, but you know, so it's just really, really fun. It's really, really great. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, um, I, I recently was listening to, um, 
I don't, I don't know if I mentioned it on the, one of the podcasts before or not, but um, I was recently listening to um, now I'm forgetting his name. Uh, he's another uh, Christian um, real estate guy. Podcaster changes his hair multiple different colors. Um, Ryan Pineda. Ryan Pineda. Thank you. And he was talking about um, being unequally yoked in more than just your your marriage, right? Um, and it's like, no, it's like this can go for your business relationships as well, and making sure you know, and and then like having that relationship to be able to talk about those things that openly and be able to, you know, pray with your team and be able to work through that stuff. I mean, that's, uh, um, that's really exciting to kind of just, just hear you say, you know, I've, I've got a, a buddy of mine that we've been really wanting to uh, do some business together. And that was one of the same reasons, like we're both, you know, strong in our faith, want to be, you know, the best dads we can and, and, you know, make sure that our investments and our, our business is going down that same path and, and looking properly. So it's, um, um, you know, I'm, I, I love that, that thought process, that idea that, um, you know, that, that feeling that you have, that, that makes me excited to hear. So, um, so again, good on you building a team that, that, uh, of like-minded type of type of dudes that are, are like-minded type of people, not just dudes, um, that, uh, that are growing together. I love it. But, um, it is, uh, it is actually all dudes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. Like-minded dudes. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, so how, how are you planning to, I mean, your, your kids are still a little young at the moment, but, uh, with, with Rory and Liv, like, um, you know, what are your ideas and thoughts of like exposing them to the business side of the house and showing them, you know, um, what that looks like later on? Um, I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of different people that, that, I mean, I'm still working on it. I told my sons that I need to do this still, but, um, employing my kids in the business so that I can pay them, you know, $12,500 a year, get them to be able to go and, you know, invest in a, in an IRA and that type of stuff. But I want to, I, I want to learn as many ways as i can to expose my kids to business um in a way that is that meets them at where they're at at that time but um i'd love to hear if you've had any thoughts that route or you know even if you haven't no big deal but um uh, what you're what you're thinking as far as that goes when the kids start growing up a little bit more well just clarification if i have any good ideas on this podcast it's they're not mine i stole them from somebody else exactly that's the whole point of this podcast so i can steal everybody else's good ideas yeah too easy uh we have some some friends uh that live out in california they've got i think seven kids a lot of kids um and one of the one of the rules in the household is like you have to start your own business by the time you're 11 Mm. so one of the they have chickens uh, and one of the kids is like sells the eggs uh two of the girls teamed up and they make pies and sell the pies nice. um, it's kind of like a kind of like a lemonade stand thing yep. in a day where no one's doing lemonade stands anymore mm-hmm. so um i don't know in my ideal world uh it's it's setting up a way where they can do something that they're excited about and see some sort of fruit from their labors. Um, it's always my goal. I don't want to get caught in the into the bad habit of like, you're going to do these things because this is what mm-hmm. I like to do, or you're going to do these things because this is what I wish I could have done when I was young. What has been our goal up to this point, and I hope to be stay accountable to this, is I just want to expose my kids to... Uh, I want to provide them the opportunity to experience all of these things so that they know that that's an option and then they can choose whatever option that brings them most joy. Um, so like with entrepreneur stuff, it's like, and I'd love to set up a way for them to easily have some, make something and sell it 
or with real estate, what's really nice is I can actually just bring Rory in with me to the office or on showings or things like that. Um, for providing some sort of way for them to be able to create something and sell it and then see that they're reaping some sort of benefit from the work that they did rather than like, oh yeah, I went to dad on showings and he's just hanging out in houses with people. You know what I mean? mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know quite what that looks like, but I, I love that idea of like making it a, a family, like this is a rite of passage. By the time you're 11 or by the time you're 13, like show me your business plan. Yeah. It might be, cook- really like it might be selling thought. cookies. Yeah. 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 As you were saying that, I was like, man, we, so we live in a very small uh, neighborhood. It's like a little three quarter mile loop and that's it. And there's, it's just a handful of houses that are in here and that's it. Um, so, um, you know, it would not work so well to put a lemonade stand outside. They would be kind of bored and get really sunburned by the time the, uh, the day's over without selling any lemonade. But, um, but I could just picture them on the, on the road outside of the neighborhood, like with little signs and doing all the stuff. And, um, you know, we're, we're working on building, uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, that's already, uh, it's already built and we have them in place, but our, um, our business plan for, um, what are they called? Uh, uh, vending machines. So I want a little vending machine route for the kids to be able to, to put together and, you know, Hey, we'll have this little guy in there, you know, stocking, um, stocking Doritos and, uh, you know, M&Ms and, you know, monster drinks, you know, so I think it'll be a lot of fun to kind of watch them build that out. And, um, well, hello there. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. Is that about it? You going back to sleep now? Ugh. I tell you what, this is wonderful being able to record with him hanging out here on my lap. Should do this every time I record. Besides the fact that, like I said, I was getting extra warm. But, um, but I want uh, to to your point. I want to expose them to as much as I can so that they can kind of see what that looks like. But I don't want to necessarily force their hand one way or another. And that's um, it's a difficult balance, and I haven't quite figured that out. Um, you know, like it, it, but you know, we'll. I, I also want to make sure that whatever I'm doing, I'm not making it look like to them, boy, there's no way I ever want to do that, you know, because <laughs> I it, like it, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that moments like this where, again, he's able to just kind of hang out on my lap and he realizes that, oh, well, daddy works from home and he's able to do this and hang out with me. That's a good, a good sign for him. What's up, buddy? <laughs> All right. Get, just get comfortable, bud. No big deal. Just get comfortable. For those of you listening. I'm curious or, how... I'm curious. How I will react or how I would react if, if you're, because we've all, anyone that's parents have been through the experience of like, you're so pumped to give your kid this experience and like, they're going to be so pumped and then you do it and they're like, the kid just like could care less or immediately wants to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, so setting up this like, I'm going to have them be an entrepreneur and then they just aren't motivated that way or they're not yeah. excited about it or they don't seem to have that kick of motivation. I'm curious if that is more nature or nurture. And if it is nature, the appropriate way to react to that when your kids yeah. just like not, not have to do that. Yeah. So I, I think that, um, so initially what I was planning to do is buy a house for each kid and have them kind of help manage it and do all the stuff. And that way, A, I have good assets and they get to learn you know, the differences between assets and liabilities and um, understand, you know, what, what it's like having a renter and dealing with all of that. Um, but the more I talk to the kids, the, the more, especially the older one, it just, it, he seemed almost detached from the idea. Like, 
it was just kind of like okay sure you know like he was ready to invest 100 bucks in it but it's like yeah what does that mean to me i don't really know what it means to own a house you know um so the more we talked that's when i started going down the route of the um, vending machines it got them on board with like okay we get to go buy a bunch of snacks that sounds awesome right so you know kind of um you know uh luring them in with the uh, the the joy enjoyment of eating a bag of doritos on the way to stock the to stock the shelves right um but uh, but yeah i don't really know what it's actually going to look like when they're doing it right because i'm making it kind of a school project this year um for for my oldest um uh, he's going to be helping out with it of course but um i i don't know i mean yeah i don't know how i'm going to approach it necessarily because again i want it to be something that they want to do you know what like if if they start doing the vending machines, they're like, well, this is terrible. I mean, obviously, it's going to have to be something that I'm going to want. <laughs> I'm going to have to continue mm-hmm. doing if if they don't want to do it at all. So I don't really know, but um, we'll see what kind of bug they they get attracted to. But I think that there's that's the beauty about entrepreneurship is you can go down whatever route makes you happy, right? If you like, yeah. if you like, um, you know, digging dirt, you can make a business out of that, right? I mean, they have plenty of businesses about digging dirt, right? Just depends on how de- how deep you want to go and how wide you want to go. So. Um, you know, it's just find their interest and try to build it out from there. But, um, but I don't really know what that's going to look like because I'm still at the beginning stages of this too. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure if you've deep dove onto into this subject on any of the episodes. So feel free to skip. But uh, I'm curious about your decision to homeschool and how the transition has gone and what that looks like for you guys. Yeah. So. Um, it was a bit of a process. So it's funny because like when, when my wife and I first got married, my wife grew up in a, um, doing the same thing you did, going to a private Christian school, her entire upbringing, um, and then went into the military. And for me, I was in public school the entire time. Um, and then went in the military. I felt so prepared for real life, quote unquote, um, going through public school. I mean, I'd already been to all the parties with the drugs. I'd already seen a bunch of people act stupid. I'd already been exposed to uh, pretty much anything you could do. I've had friends that got arrested. I had, like, I mean, the world, I understood, quote unquote, the world. Um, so when I went in the military, it was normal for me. Um, uh, where my wife didn't quite have that experience, right? She was not exposed to nearly as much as I was. She didn't get to see nearly as much as I did, um, which I think looking back on it uh, uh, now, especially as a dad, is a unbelievable blessing um to have not i wish that i wasn't as exposed as i was in, in the very some of the various things that i was um so then you know we i was saying that i wanted our kids to go into private or uh, uh public school because of those reasons and then once we had kids i was like nope not a chance especially as i started looking at what was going on in public school wow. and all the stuff I was like uh-uh, there's no way that is going to happen my kids are going into private school so um so we started off in private school um and, you know, there were multiple times, you know, so we moved uh, here to Florida from Northern Virginia. Um, so put them in one school and then I, I wasn't fully thrilled with that school. We moved into another school, um, uh, you know, a quarter of the way through the school year, which was a very difficult transition. And then I had a couple travel, a couple trips I was doing and I, I left without them. And then I brought the kids on one trip and the amount of extra work it was to bring them on a trip um, was exhausting. Like, like they were, uh, my oldest was already trying to catch up. Um, from, you know, switching schools where they were already, you know, a, a little farther along in their education than the, the first school, which is exactly why I wanted to switch schools, by the way. Um, but uh, yeah, so the second school was like already he was trying to catch up and, and behind the eight ball. 
Um, and then we, I took them on a trip, uh, one of the many that I wanted to take them on, but I couldn't take them on any of the other ones, especially after this one. It was like, man, there's so much extra work I got to do, all this paperwork that I've got, all this stuff that I'm doing. Um, so it was like, how can I, you know, I, I want to be able to travel a lot. Um, uh, you know, at least once a quarter, I want to go somewhere, but preferably, you know, about once a month, I want to travel somewhere. Um, uh, sometimes it's for a GoBundance thing. Sometimes it's for, you know, uh, we're getting ready to, at the time of this recording, in, in two weeks, we're going to San Antonio to put on our uh, our second annual conference for ADPI, the education company I'll run. Um, so I'm bringing them with, to me with there for that. I mean, we're going to be gone for a whole week in San Antonio, hanging out, you know, and I get to teach them, you know, history and do all this stuff. So homeschool was part of that conversation of, okay, well, what does this look like if we decided to homeschool? The more I listened to people who did homeschool and brought their kids on trips and all the stuff, I was like, this sounds awesome. You know, I, I, there's a bunch of people in GoBundance that do, uh, there's quite a few homeschool, um, uh, families and, and this is almost one of the other catalysts to it is, is I started asking other GoBundance guys about the homeschooling. Then we started a homeschool chat and we're all chatting about, okay, for those of you who do homeschool, what do you do? For those of us who are interested, what can we do? Um, um, so I just started deep diving into what it would look like, how I could work this. And one of the other things is I was looking at like what, 45 hours a week my son is putting in in the school for a third grader at that time. I was like, how is a third grader doing just as long of a work week, quote unquote, as a, a full-time, you know, 30 year old going to, going to work every week. Like this is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I'm saying all that to say there was a lot that was going into what I, what I was looking for for my kids. And I wanted to be the one who was impacting my kids more than anybody else. I wanted to be the one that was choosing who their, who their five closest friends are that are influencing them. Um, you know, eventually they're going to choose it themselves, but if I can expose them now to as many of the right kind of people, quote unquote, as I can, um, then hopefully they'll be ready to choose those same kinds of people later on in life as well themselves. So, um, uh, did that answer your first question as far as why I was doing it? And did yeah. that bring any other questions? Um, is it who's running lead on the homeschooling education? Is it you and your wife together or your wife or you or? just me so my wife is still air force so she goes to work every morning oh, um so it's okay. uh, it's all me lucky kids wow. <laughs> not so much it sucks to be them honestly so but uh but no yeah it's all me i set up the time in the morning to be able to knock it all out um uh, it's been going pretty well honestly because you really only need especially for a fourth grader um and a, a kindergartner basically i mean we really only need you know three hours a day for the most part. Um, and really my involvement is really only about two hours a day. Um, and then the rest of the time is, is Adam doing his, his own thing, whether it's reading his books or um, doing some of the math problems or, um, you know, building a science project or whatever it is, he kind of goes off and does it on his own while I'm in here working. Um, that's what he's doing right now is I don't, I don't know what piece of homework or what piece of schoolwork he's doing, but it's, uh, uh but it's all me. I'm trying to structure it well. I mean, it's still fresh. We've only been doing it for a couple months. Um, uh, so we're, we're learning here and there on what, what are good takeaways and what are not. And the hardest part thus far has been unschooling the boys like this. This is not, we're not sitting down in a classroom. I don't care if you go read your book laying upside down on a chair outside on the porch. I don't care. Like you just, let's, let's enjoy learning. Let's just have fun learning. Like I don't, um, it's all going to be learning. It's just what, how, how we do is very different now. So. I don't know if you've listened to any Vody Bakum. Is that name yes, ringing a bell? Very much so. Yeah, he's got a good quote about homeschooling. He's like, "Don't don't send your kids to Caesar and expect them to mm -hmm. not come home Romans." <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I love that that idea of the the flexibility. Um, 
and then just also like who's the number one voice speaking into your kid's mm-hmm. life and i mean sending a five-year-old off for seven hours a day like that just yeah. seems kind of nuts so we're gonna we're gonna try homeschooling um and see how it goes yeah i'd say that it, one one thing to do for sure is to look at so for me honestly i would not do it if i did not have an au pair the au pairs at game changers okay. because i mean with my wife working it, there's no way i can i can manage to do do homeschooling and run a business from home while i have three kids right so that just wouldn't be possible but um so the au pair makes a massive difference so i don't know what does your wife do she stay at home full time okay awesome well then if she's up for it then that would be something i would i would definitely say is is uh um i think that she's probably going to be uh and i'm saying this in in a completely um blanket statement way not knowing your wife at all but um most women being uh, on the on the woman side being a little bit more nurturing a little bit more patient on the on the child side of the house probably going to be a little better than me <laughs> because i'm not so nurturing and patient um <laughs> Uh, it, it is, it is work for me to, uh, to work through that, yeah. especially when I know I've got some, some business things that are creeping in the back of my brain and what yeah. I need to get done that day. Um, but, uh, but I mean, it, it's, I, I still want to trade it for the world. Cause again, I, I get to spend more time with them. I brought them up to Philly and New Jersey with me on a trip recently. And I'm again, taking them to San Antonio. We're going up to, um, uh, Vermont for the go abundance winter events. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to take another trip to, you know, um, like islands of adventure and that type of stuff in the middle of the week, because why not? I can, um, you know, so it's, it's a, uh, it's been thus far, it's been wonderful. And the flexibility that you have is great. We have a, an amazing, um, uh, group here in the Tampa area that, that is a homeschool group. I would imagine somewhere in the twin cities, they have the same, a similar thing. Um, where now your kids get to be exposed to all sorts of different things. I mean, they they run different yeah. classes. I mean, they've got culinary classes, they've got entrepreneur classes, they've got um, different events that they're doing. They've got like, hey, let's bring the kids on a field trip to the zoo type of thing. Where now they get exposed to multiple different age levels and grade levels, and um, you get to see different things and be you know be around like minded people. And uh, to me, that's a um, again, I'm 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 creating a, I'm curating the environment that I want them to be around as opposed to the school just doing it. Um, so yeah i enjoy it though it's exhausting but i enjoy it yeah i love i love the idea in theory i love all of it um i think sarah would always wonder what if 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 we didn't try it so she's gonna try it yeah lead on it and just see if she can mentally handle it there's a do you know aaron amuchastegi yeah so he and his wife um, wrote a book called The Five Hour School Week, um, okay. and they've been they've been homeschooling for a long time. Daniel Del Real has his they've been they were homeschooling for a long time. I think they just sent their kids back to a, um, a private school this year. Um, but those are two other guys I would definitely chat with about about the homeschooling. I'd be happy to to chat with you and your wife if you'd like at at any point just to give you my take on things and how it all went. But. Um, uh, all the different programs and everything and that's another good thing about you know being a christian is there's a lot of christian uh homeschool programs um yeah. you know and i can i can walk down some of those paths and choose why i chose what i chose and that type of thing but um nope now my oldest is is at the door of course because when i'm on a podcast how can he not show up right buddy oh look at that big old goofy smile come on over and say hi to mr taylor the golfer the pro yeah, golfer the golfer the pro golfer, he said. 
you going to steal an earbud so you can say hi? Go ahead. Whichever one you need. There we go. All right, so uh, we were just talking about homeschool. You want to tell them what you think thus far? Um, I like you sure? Yeah. Teacher. What, what's, the, what's the funnest part about it? He said, what's the funnest part about it? Getting to be a stupid. Oh, that's fun. I, I think he's sucking up, I think is all that is. You know. <laughs> are you sucking up to me? Uh, uh, how about going on trips? Are you looking forward to the next trip? Yeah. yeah. Did you have fun up in Philly? Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you learn about American history? Not that you remember? All right, so apparently your teacher needs to be a little bit better, more diligent. <laughs> oh, that's, so that's He's got, uh, Mr. Taylor's got a couple kids that he's looking at. Mm -hmm. You get to hang out with your brother. Do you like doing that? Yeah. And your sister. You get to see you can your go practice putting. Go practice putting whenever you want. Yeah. How about you tell him to do that some more? Come, buddy. <laughs> go out there and practice swinging that golf club some more. I'm gonna have to make that mandatory PE in the backyard, making sure yeah. that you get that in. <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome. we do. You got a putting thing right there in the back. Get to work, kid. <laughs> All right, give me my headphone back. Are you going to be sticking around in here or what? No, you can't leave with it because then I then I lose my headphones. Bring it here. Come here. Yeah, little rascal. All right, go have fun. Get back to work. Get back to work. Man, oh man, that's really fun, man. You guys, uh, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of opportunity for creeping thoughts of like. Ah, should be doing this work thing or I shouldn't be doing mm. this work thing or um but man I, I, it's hard for me to think that you're ever going to regret this time yeah exactly and that's you know i was talking to when i was talking to uh, daniel about it as well that's kind of what he said he's like there's never been a moment where i said boy i wish that i didn't have as much time with my kids yeah. like it's just not it's just not a thing that comes across your mouth um and that's that's been a, a good reminder for me and it's you know um, could I be, am I sacrificing building more because of it? Yes. Yes, I am. I know I could build more if I was putting more effort into the business and less effort into, um, the kids, but in the grand scheme of things, what I'm building is very different than a bank account. What I'm building is very different than my net worth. I'm building, um, hopefully, um, future men and a woman that are, are unbelievably strong in their faith that are um, very intelligent and enjoy thinking outside of the box that are ready to face anything that comes in front of them. Um, and to me, that's a much, a much larger and stronger build. You know, it goes back to even like where, where your identity is, right? If my identity is in um, whatever the world says my identity is, then that's a problem. Um, so if, if I am choosing to build what the world says that I should choose to build, I think that's a problem. I need to be choosing what, you know, God says I should be building. And that's a, a strong, faithful family. So, um, yeah, I, I, I again saying that out loud is a good reminder for me that that I'm doing doing the right things, and um, so even in those moments where I'm struggling, it's it's you know it's a good reminder. So, all right. So what's on what's on the agenda, Taylor, for you next in the business? What are you looking to grow more on the business side? Um, and then I'm going to ask the same thing about your family after that. 
I'd say on the, on the business side, uh, the real estate world is in flux right now. Just where mm-hmm. if anyone listening has heard the articles, uh, interest rates are higher than in 20 years. Mortgage applications are as low as they've been in 20 years. So uh, markets not moving as much as it has been in the past seven years. Um, that's okay because it's still moving and there's still business and something too it's like just just the the ability to keep a business moving even at certain times it's just so much to be thankful for i feel so blessed so uh, i'd say probably less goals around the actual real estate sales type mm-hmm. uh realm but more on the real estate investment side of things um yeah. it's just kind of growing that passive income through real estate owning um rentals long-term rentals uh in a time where it's just no banks are giving up money, it's really hard to get loans and it's hard to find deals at work. Uh, but not letting that be an excuse to not keep searching. <laughs> um, and then just kind of preparing myself for what's to come in the next year to two years yeah. with uh, likely in the commercial real estate side of things. You know, if, if we have to see a crack in there, just. Being able to be in a position where you know this opportunity and have the ability to take action on opportunity. Yeah, I think that's going to be critical right now. I mean, I think commercial real estate as a whole has been, is, is going to be taking a bit of a hit um, and already has been, whether it's office space, whether it's even multifamily. I mean, I, I've been buying multifamily for a while and it's been extremely difficult now the last you know year and a half trying to find deals that actually the numbers worked out and um, you know, that uh, sellers aren't, you know, living in the clouds um, and haven't quite made it back down to uh, to earth yet. You know, it's like, I, I, do you not see where things are? Do you not understand? Because I'm not willing to overpay for things, which has been very difficult to buy anything this year because, you know, it's just been rough. Um, but I think that you're on the right track to at least prepare yourself to to be in those in those buying modes. And I think everybody should be in that, you know, go, going back to the be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to be at a um, very fearful time here in the near future. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think people have really caught up to what's on the horizon. I don't. I mean, my crystal ball broke last week, so I don't really know what what is on the horizon. But I can have some ideas based off of the past. Um, oh, welcome back, buddy. Um, yeah, I'd, but, I'd say an- another thing would be just <laughs> providing and. Providing what I can to agents on our team to help them mm-hmm. through what's probably going to be another year of year or two of, of less sales going on. Yep. Um, can't sell houses for them, but I can at least be supportive and encourage them and push them and provide resources within reason <laughs> to, to help equip them. So, What does that look like on your team? How are you kind of uh, equipping them? What are you doing to kind of grow them and keep them on the... Because I know there's tons of agents that just ran away from real estate. They're no longer doing it. They went and found a W two. They went and found whatever. They're not. You know, they jump ship completely. What are you doing to kind of keep your team motivated and focused on on the the business as a whole for them? I'd say the the main thing is kind of there's the three guys that lead it, lead the team, and then we have yep. like second level leaders, like the guys that have been in it for three, four, five years and who are doing well. Are kind of the leaders on the team. I'm really just pouring into them and giving them ownership of the direction of the team. Like, hey, what do you guys see? What do we, what do we need? How can we support the guys? Like, they're they're a little bit closer to 
the guys that are more on the beginning part of the uh, mm-hmm. so really pouring into those guys giving them ownership over what's the direction that we're going and, and what we're what we're doing as a team so my big thing is pouring into to put it in the military terms it's like if we're the generals it's like our lieutenants like how do we yeah. just take care of our lieutenants um, and make sure that they feel supported and like they know what's going on and they feel like they have some ownership over the direction of what's going on for sure yeah and that makes a huge difference in knowing that and having that feeling so i like that for sure um so i want to ask about the the family side as well you were one of three um i think you um you, you said your uh was it your wife that's one of seven or no your dad no my, my mom married into your seven. mom was one of seven yeah yeah so um are you guys stopping at two or are you planning to have more sarah my wife is one of three as well <laughs> so okay for both, both of us family of three feels normal um, mm-hmm. so i mean ideally we would love to have three kids and game time decision for four uh, nice just we wish that people would have focused on all of the awesome things about parenthood i mean when you're not a parent then people like to say like oh well say goodbye to this or say goodbye yeah. to freedom or say goodbye. it's just i mean there is there are sacrifices you make but the pros so far outweigh the cons that for sure. it's just not even yeah yeah i it's completely agree been, I, told, I told my wife i'd have seven if she would let me have seven but she controls yeah. the factory and i you know let me know when the factory should oh wow now we have now we have notes getting delivered under the door um, yes um adam needs help with something your homework fantastic um, he better so find I, a better I, teacher I, so. i'm the same as you i told you i'll take as many as you'll give me yes yep I mean, I think it's a, I, I, being a dad is one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life. And then the second I became a dad, it was like, oh yeah, I could totally do this a lot. Like I like, yeah. let's, you know, um, let's definitely do that. Um, but yeah, we, I think we're, we're probably done at three. My wife said no more after 40, like, you know, it's, you know, once, once she broke that 40, 40 year old, um, moment, she was like, I can't, I, can't, I just don't want to keep having kids after 40 years old. So, I mean. Like I said, she controls the factory. And if we would have, you know, not had them every four years and had them a little closer together, maybe it'll worked out better. But, um, but I am unbelievably blessed with the amazingly awesome three kiddos that I have. Um, right, buddy? My three kiddos. Well, of course. <laughs> oh, Flash, you want to count the dog and say we have four kiddos? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny oh. but, um all right so uh with a three-month-old i'm betting that uh the house is a little crazy a three-year-old and a three-month-old um or at least no is it still was it three four months somewhere four around months. there right yeah four months yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right there. um um but uh um when are you thinking about uh having a third or what does your wife think about the the third when does she want to start thinking about that did we like- really like we really enjoyed the spacing of the two and a half years apart because it, it feels like <clears throat> Rory got to a point where she can communicate her needs. She yeah. knows when we're telling her not to do something. That doesn't mean that she obeys when we tell her not to do something, yeah. but she at least understands what's going on and she's not a baby anymore. It doesn't feel like. Yeah. Um, so that. You know, assuming that our plans are God's plans, uh, you know, two, two and a half years apart was just an awesome 
some difference we thought. Yeah. That's what we were so, trying to do with our second and third was about that two year apart. Hey, move your hand. Little wrestle. It was about the two year mark, but um God had different plans and like we were we were trying for a couple of years before we finally had our third and it was um, you know, again in, in God's time, whatever whatever it was gonna be. But um super yeah. happy to, to have a little girl now. So um so are you uh are you wanting like a, a boy next or are you guys just wanting more kids or what's the what's the plan or what's the hope? Um, 10 fingers, 10 toes. Um, that's exactly right. <laughs> yep. I love being a girl dad. It's just been so yeah. fun. And I just feel like we have such a cool opportunity as dads of girls to be the example of what they should look for in a husband one day yeah. in the way that I love Sarah and I treat Sarah and I love Rory. It's like, we get to be the, Mm -hmm. our daughter's first love as a man, you know? Uh, So I just see that as such cool opportunity that that we have. Um, And so it's hard for me to even imagine a a boy at this point. I would love a boy though. Um, Yeah. So imagine though that feeling that now you get to represent what it is to be a strong, godly man to a boy yeah right and what it means to you know how to treat their wife um you know and and, uh, so like now i get i get the benefit of of seeing it from both sides now and and i mean granted my daughter's only five months old but it's still now i i I think about that differently and say okay um what am i doing to represent a godly husband so that my daughter sees that obviously at five months she doesn't see anything she's just kind of hanging out but uh if i'm not thinking about it now then i'm gonna have a much harder time catching up later so um but yeah i'm with you though on the 10 fingers 10 toes two eyes and a nose that's all i care about i mean if if it's a boy it's a boy it's a girl it's a girl i don't care like come on out or we're gonna have fun so i mean i just a couple times on the on our call today we've talked about like well i just grew up thinking that that was normal because that's just what i experienced Mm -hmm. so just i want my kids to one day, if there's talking to someone, you know, searching for a relationship, that alarm bells go off when they're like, wait, this is not normal. Like, you do not talk to me this way, or yeah. I should not talk to you that way. Um, like, it was normal for dad to come home and give mom a big hug and a kiss and them to be affectionate towards each other, you know? Um, easy to remember when you and I are talking about, like, how do we be good dads? Harder in the day to day. But the more we oh, talk about it, the more we, yeah. the more we remembered that we need to do it. So yeah, that's exactly right. That's that's again. That's why I that's why I do these. I mean, I record two of these a week, um, just so that I can keep that constantly in my brain as I'm you know struggling on the day to day, because there is no such thing as as a perfect father. There's uh, you know we have a perfect example in in Jesus in God, but um, there's no such thing as a as a perfect father. Um, we need to, to strive to. Uh, help our our children to be you know like i tell them just uh, my job is to be help them be better men than me and now help my daughter to um you know find a better man than me um so that's that's my goal and that's my hope so we'll keep that keep that rolling huh buddy all right good answer too busy playing with my watch (laughs) you little punk all right is there anything that uh you think that we should have touched on and haven't yet taylor we've gone all over the place on on our conversation but i'd love to uh to talk about anything that you feel like we should have talked about or uh, any questions you have for me besides the homeschool of course Mm, i just think that that we just have such a cool opportunity to as dads to pour into our kids and be examples Mm -hmm. 
Um, I also think as business leaders, you know, leaders of people, um, just being able to lead in such a way where you are helping that person be a better husband or a better mm -hmm. wife or a better, you know, I just feel like we have such cool responsibility on our shoulders that we should just take advantage of that to, to pour into our kids, into our marriage, into the people that we lead with such intention. Um, I'm just thankful for that. And so I just really want to encourage everyone that, you know, being intentional as a dad is really important. Being intentional yeah. as uh, a husband is super important. And then being intentional as a business leader of people is, is, is important as well. So um, it's a lot of crossover characteristics and a lot of crossover. importance. Very much agreed. Yeah. I think that's, um, and I think it's hard to, to think about it, you know, to your same point if, while it's happening, but if we can be a good example for our employees, be a good example for our kids, be a, you know, and, and cross collateralize those relationships, you know, to make sure that, um, you know, they're, they're seeing what it means to be a good boss. They're seeing what it means to be a good employee. They're seeing what it means to be a good business owner, what it means to be a good Christian, what it means to be a good husband, what it means to be a good dad. Thank you so much for my, my radio buddy. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I think it's a, it's an amazing, wonderful, uh, daunting, um, uh, task on our shoulders to, to represent that well. So, uh, but I appreciate you coming on and, and representing that well and, and showing uh, uh, showing some vulnerability and having some good conversation, Taylor. It was absolutely a pleasure to, to get to know you. Um, and uh, I look forward to hopefully um, 2.0. Uh, you found where I put my, my stuff. Boy, this kid is going through all my stuff in here. But no, I, I greatly appreciate you jumping on here and, and chatting. Um, it was absolutely a pleasure to get to know you um, and learn from you. And I look forward to, like I was trying to say, is uh, maybe 2.0 later on when you've had baby number three, even, you know, perhaps. <laughs> um, or even before then, you know, if you guys want to get on and we can have a have a podcast about nothing but homeschool, I'd be happy to do that as well. And, um, you know, learn and grow at the same time and, you know, enjoy some time. But um, thank you so very much again for jumping on. If, if anybody wanted to reach out to you for one reason or another, uh, what's the best place for them to get a hold of you? Uh, I mean, super easy to find on social media. Uh, just Taylor Doolittle. There's, there's not many with my name. Uh, so always willing to uh, be helpful in any way possible if I can add value in any way. So I, I should never uh, expect when I'm reaching out to people for help, I can't expect them to reach out if I'm not willing to, you know, have a conversation yeah. with anybody. So absolutely happy to help in any way possible. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. Again, I greatly appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, jumping on. Um, looking forward to the next time and hopefully, uh, you know, see you again in, in person at another event here in the near future. But, all right. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Please. Yes, absolutely. Please reach out to Taylor if you have anything, especially if you're in the, uh, the Twin Cities and you're looking to buy or sell a house. For sure, reach out to Taylor up there. But uh, uh, thank you again, and we'll see everybody on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.